Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. Well, we're ready to go with this interview today. I'm pleased to have with me Kasaya Timmons. Hello, Kasaya. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you as part of this uh, podcast video cast. Uh, where are you talking to us from today? Uh, the Washington, D.C. area. All right. Well, I'm uh, uh, three hours uh, time zone difference. Uh, in the Seattle area on my, my home office in Bashan Island. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me and uh, talk about your experiences in accessibility. Uh, you know, why don't we start by just uh, talking about a little bit about what you're involved with right now? Uh, currently, I'm a principal technical program manager with uh, Yahoo. Um, my main priority is to manage um, different engineering projects, uh, focusing on those uh, products that are uh, consumer facing and, and that we're shipping and releasing um, you know, out the door. Um, however, as a part of, the, of, of my current position as a, as a TPM, I also manage uh, Yahoo's company-wide accessibility um, remediation program. Yeah, and that, that was how I think I uh, you know, first became familiar with your work. And, and so this uh, conversation series is all about uh, helping people uh, see how uh, others have uh, found their way into supporting accessibility. So uh, why don't we just go back in time and maybe uh, you could kind of give us a little background of uh, you know, how accessibility came into uh, your life and uh, we could just kind of move back up until today. Sure thing. Um, that's the neat thing about the accessibility field is that everyone has um, a different story to tell. And um, my story is that I basically came into accessibility the hard way. Um, I lost uh, the majority of my vision um, within two years of graduating with an electrical engineering degree. Um, I was working in the consulting field um, at the time uh, for a multinational consulting firm. Um, you know, experienced vision loss, and then all of a sudden my world ended. Um, I was told that no one would hire a blind engineer, and um, I ended up losing my job. Um, I worked went through all the processes with, you know, uh, state um, Department of Labor vocational rehabilitation. Uh, fortunately, um, I had a godsend and a counselor who believed that I was better than my circumstance. He believed in me and he gave me every tool, every opportunity, every training that, you know, he could afford with his state budget to get me back on track giving me all the assistive technologies that I need. Um, because at the time, you know, it's kind of rare for someone, you know, at my stature, having worked as an engineer, losing their job, you know, and so he really saw 
the daylight. He saw the daylight before I did. And there were supporting people around him that kept nudging me and telling me, even though I lost that position, even though, you know, some people said that I would never have gainful employment again, um, that those same engineering skills that I developed over the course of many years, um, even predating college, uh, it's still very useful um, in, you know, regaining my career because as an engineer, we're taught to solve problems. And so for me, I had to shift my thinking a bit and thinking of it as an engineering problem that needed to be solved. Um, so I mastered my assistive technologies and um, within you know, two years of that, you know, I ended up going back to work, was hired, um, doing the same type of engineering assistance um, analyst work for another multinational consulting firm. And at that point, it was very interesting because their systems were more complex than at the consulting firm where I was laid off for. And they told me that I could do the work. The difference this time is that I developed, you know, a core skill set with my assistive technologies. I had it mastered where I became, you know, my own tech support. Uh, whereas before I was relying on, you know, state, state technologists and, you know, you know, company IT uh, personnel, um, I kept my mouth shut because I was determined. I said, I'm not going to lose another job. So there were barriers that I faced uh, software wise, but, you know, I created scripts myself. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of JAWS and that's what I used at the time. I created my own scripts uh, to help fix um, the accessibility issues that I encountered. Didn't tell my manager, didn't tell anyone. I just did it because I needed to get the job done and I was determined not to lose another job. Um, so that was kind of like my entry point into accessibility is that I came in it the hard way and I came in it at a time when there really was no accessibility field. I mean, this was 20 years ago, um, no accessibility field. The only you know person I had to rely on really was myself. And you know, some people you know, that I met along the way um, during Voc Rehab that told me that I was better than my circumstance. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's really uh, uh, great to hear your story, uh, starting with such a, you know, a, a scary uh, health pivot in your, in, in your life early on as you're just uh, ready to begin your career. And then the, the challenges that were, uh, that were there with uh, technology and and just people's uh, understanding of uh, of uh, all of our abilities, uh, you know, despite physical challenges. So uh, it's really exciting to uh, you know see how things have uh, gone for you over the years. I uh, you, you did you do you did mention uh, assistive technologies, uh, you know, a number of times, and and I think. Uh, a lot of people are are just exploring accessibility. Uh, you know, may not understand how important it is to be able to uh, for our digital products and services to uh, be able to to fully uh, support those assistive devices. And and uh, sounds like you had a lot of that hard work early on when it wasn't built in. But uh, uh, how have you seen things improve in that area over the past twenty years? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's been a dramatic shift in thinking because at that time, no one 
you know, in corporate America specifically, um, no one really knew what an assistive technology was. No one really had experience dealing with people with disabilities. And then if they did, there were times, you know, that they took away negativity. Um, and that was in that the first case um, that played a huge role when I lost my job with my initial vision loss was because, you know, I remember someone saying, well, you know, don't you need one of those loud, noisy, you know, you know, uh, braille printers, it's going to take up too much office space. And, you know, they're just trying to, you know, draw on every negative experience. Right. Um, but in my mastering assistive technologies and the availability of them over time, and even, you know, becoming more mainstream has really helped change the perceptions. For example, you know, I remember going to a conference in the early 2000s um, down at Georgia Tech and, you know, wearable computing was some was something that was, you know, developed for people with, you know, physical disabilities, right? Now you have all types of fitness watches, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and they're accessible, right? So a lot of the technology, speech recognition, you know, you think about what Amazon has done with, uh, with Echo and Alexa, right? You know, those, the, the initial influences on those types of, 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 of products, you know, it was because of people with disabilities had hardships, but now they're becoming more mainstream. I remember when Windows PCs did not come with a built-in screen reader. Now we have narrator. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, the key with assistive technologies, number one, is that they've gotten more affordable because when I first lost my vision, everything had to be paid, you know, by your counselor by your book rehab. It was extremely expensive, right? You, you know, to, to start off, you know, getting, you know, different types of assistive technologies. Um, Braille displays were just, you know, they were super expensive now. Uh, they're still expensive now, but they've come down, you know, dramatically. So over time, the good thing about assistive technologies as they've been become embraced um, by mainstream society, um, you know, we have economies of scale and prices have come down to make it more affordable, meaning that it's, it's, it's easily accessible to people to help bridge, you know, that quality of life, right? To, to help um, make sure that we have an equal quality of life for people with disabilities and people without. Well, uh, you, what you've talked about so far is, is just your own uh, 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 a need to be able to overcome physical challenges to participate as an engineer in, in the corporate workplace and, and with a lot of hard work, you're able to, to do that. But then you you took the, the next step, which is to become actively involved as a, a practitioner to uh, improve the accessibility space. So uh, what was the what was the next step? How did you move into uh, becoming actively involved in uh, improving accessibility? That's a good question. Um, so working in the consulting realm, um, you know, I was involved in accessibility on behalf of myself. And um, back in like the mid, you know, 2000s, um, you know, we, it was at the height of the Iraq war. And I had the opportunity to join the Department of Veterans Affairs um, in Atlanta. And the focus there was, was trying to help rehabilitate um, blind and aging veterans. 
Um, at that time, you know, it was one of those things. It was kind of a crossroads for me. And I'm, I'm always fortunate to have people in my life um, that, that have, you know, advised me over time. And the notion was, you know, um, Kasai, it's time for you to come use your skills for the benefit of others. Hey, it's good. You've got it nailed for yourself, right? You've taken care of yourself. But the same type of skills that you use to overcome, the same type of skills that you use to succeed in the workplace, those are the same skills that are needed to help better the lives of others. And at that time, that was an important thing for me. Um, I have to tell you, it wasn't, you know, leaving that job at that consulting firm, that was the, the most difficult job to leave. Because there, you know, I was one person, one blind person with a white cane, coming into work, taking two trains, getting on the show to get there. I never knew the effect that I had on people who just saw me around the office until they found that I was leaving. And, and that was the biggest lesson learned for me was that they noticed me when, you know, I really didn't see them looking, right? I didn't. But... That experience, it was tough. I liked what I was doing. It was challenging. And I, you know, had a good rapport with my colleagues and, you know, people across the, the company who valued what I did because I was able to help people internally, um, you know, advocate for their accommodations. So it was very, very gratifying. But at the same time, you know, um, you know, I'm just still an engineer at the core, right? And being able to look at other types of technology, like emerging technologies, innovations, things like that, um, indoor wayfinding systems, smartphones, it really, really piqued my interest. Um, and, and so ultimately, I ended up leaving and joining the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs as a biomedical engineer um, in a research capacity. So helping to create and develop different prototypes um, to help support the needs of aging veterans and um, those who are were experiencing vision loss. And then uh, just uh, from, uh, you know, what it, what I know from from your background, from your profile, uh, you know, then that led you into e even further work uh, developing uh, solutions for uh, uh, digital products and services that are others that others are using. So maybe tell me a little bit about that that next chapter in your journey. Yeah. So when I was at the VA, um, I, I really I really started to get very enthused about smartphones, computing devices, mobile computing devices. Okay, enthused because I thought they were just super neat. They're incredible, but I couldn't use them. You know, I could not use, right, the iPhone when it was originally came because it, it did not have the accessibility suite, right? Um, at that time, I was using like one of the, you know, it's like a Motorola phone. It was a Windows-based operating system. And, you know, I, I, I had to buy mobile speed <laughs> to add on to that, right, just to be able to use, you know, a, a, a phone. Um, but... There, it was. I had a really incredible opportunity. It was a kind of a passion of mine. Um, I, I wrote the proposal for it, pitched it to my team. They bought in um, because I wanted the VA to fund a study on smartphones because 
I'm thinking like this is the wave of the future. Like if we can get these smartphones into veterans' hands, you know, they'll just just open up a whole world for them. And and, and then especially if we can, you know, advocate for making them more accessible. Uh, fortunately, you know, the VA they bought, they bought onto it. <laughs> they gave us a huge grant, and there, I mean, that was something that was very transformative for me. Um, that's when my passion for um, smartphones and tablets, um, mobile computing devices, that's when it really took off, right? Because, you know, before then, you know, everything was what you call adaptive, right? Adaptive meaning they put a product out there, right? And then they thought about, well, you know, now we'll slap something on top of it to make it accessible to people with disabilities. Well, that's, you know, nowadays, we're talking assistive, right? We're talking product inclusion, where now, you know, companies, product teams are thinking about those things when they release the initial product. And that's made a world of experience. Um, so just within, you know, the past, I would say 10, 15 years, it's been incredible. But it was my work at the VA that really, um, just kind of made me more passionate about mobile computing devices, smartphones, and the apps that drive them. Because for me, that was, I saw that as the key of, of my mobility and, and, and to, to greater independence. Well, um, if you're able to talk about it, what were some of the, uh, the, the uh, things that you felt were important uh, areas that you moved forward in? Um, as you started working with uh, mobile devices and, and making that more accessible? Um, it, it, it had to do, and, um, and I'm grateful for Apple because they set this incredible standard. Um, I can't re remember which version of the iPhone uh, first had voiceover, um, but that was an, just an incredible milestone because that, when that happened, you know, that drove market pressure. It wasn't overnight, right? But but other phone manufacturers, they started to take stock in it to, into it. So very early in the game, you know, especially for people with vision loss, you know, you couldn't go wrong with an Apple product, right? And that's, you know, to this day, I love my iPhone. <laughs> I mean, you know, because for people with disabilities, like if you get to us first, like we have incredible brand loyalty, right? They were the first that opened that door. And, and so my biggest issue was that at the time, and this was, you know, 2010, 2011, so somewhere around there, at, at, the, at the same time, I said, well, you know, yes, it's great, right, that we ourselves, you know, I have this phone, right? But at the same time, as a consumer, I don't want to be held to one model, right? I should not. I should have options to choose like, like anyone else, right? I, I should have other options out there. And so I was really glad, you know, that Google stepped up with Android and started to make Android um, an accessibility suite for Android to make, you know, those phones, um, Android-based devices accessible, including the accessibility suite there. And that opened up a lot of doors. So for me, um, I really got involved in, in those in like the, the um, mobile computing devices to the point where I own both. <laughs> I've owned iOS devices, I've owned, owned Android devices. 
Um, I like the compare and contrast. I like, you know, um, different things that, that I could do with, with some, you know, Android devices that I couldn't do with an Apple one. I could tinker around more with the Android device. So, I mean, so it, it's just, it was something that was incredible, but it was a huge milestone starting off with Apple. And then when you started to have other companies start to adopt the accessibility suite, um, it was very important. Um, you know, because therein lies that equal access to technology, um, you know, especially because, you know, with given choice, you have different price points. Um, at that time, you know, Apple didn't have a lower cost model. Android provide those options. So worldwide, you have more people, you know, you know, who could probably afford the Android system if it was accessible than, than Apple. So it's just, it's one of those things that looking at it in hindsight, um, the market adopted the change and they adopted the change because they started to value people with disabilities. It's not all about, you know, legislation and laws and lawsuits. Yeah, that played a role into it too. But once companies and companies, company executives start to understand and really realize that if you build an accessible and usable product for all people, it's good for the business. It's good for the brand, right? It's good for the consumer. And it ends up improving usability um, for all people, right? For people that don't even think of themselves as having a disability, namely aging seniors, right? They experience vision loss due to just natural changes in age, right? With age. They don't consider themselves, right? Someone with a disability, but they rely on those technologies as well. Um, so it's been it's been a great journey, not to say that everything was perfect, but just within the past 20 years since I first lost my vision, the accessibility field has grown by leaps and bounds. And it was because of those, and I really believe it's because of those of companies starting to make their products, um, accessible products more mainstream, where that accessibility field really started to take off and say, you know what? If we're gonna focus on being inclusive and fully inclusive to our digital products, we need to get the experts in here to help us along the way, not slapping another software on top of it when it's all out, all the way out the door. We need to, to appreciate and implement the inclusive approach to product development. And that's where accessibility um, professionals really fit in. Well, I know you're uh, you're moving into some new challenges uh, in your work life, uh, but also uh, you 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 you're a certified professional through the uh, IAAP. So I always like to call that out to as a you know as a way for uh, people to get just a little bit more involved and in, and in that that becomes emblematic of a commitment. Uh, but as you move forward. Uh, in your next part of your career, what are some of the things that you're hoping to see uh, as developments in accessibility? Well, um, hmm, that's a good question. I, I, I think we still need to be vigilant. Um, technology is a great thing. It improves my independence, my quality of life. But at the same time, you know, it, it takes off at such rap, rapid speed that the accessibility portion of it, sometimes you end up playing catch up. So there are, are technologies out there right now, AR, XR, um, you know, AI, 
we're, you know, we have think tanks, we have different groups that are, you know, trying to make best practices and standards on these things. Um, but we, it's, but it's important for us to, you know, to continue to pursue those companies um, that are putting out those products, right? Um, be, because of the fact that we don't want to get to a point where we're lagging behind significantly. Because when we, when we lag behind as people with disabilities significantly when it comes to new technologies, there is that the digital divide, right? That term, we don't really use it anymore because, you know, back in the day, digital divide had a lot to do with, you know, poverty and that sort of thing, but it has huge implications for people with disabilities. The digital divide, you know, is when there's an inequity, when you have some group of people that can use a certain technology and others that are poor. So I think that's the challenge there is that we have to keep striving um, to catch up on with, with emerging technologies. Um, the other thing that I'm super passionate about, and I don't think we've made as great a stride as, as I would have liked, is you know, accessibility with respect to higher education. So um, I, um, I got an MBA. Uh, back in 2014, and you know, my school, um, Drexel University, they were just superb. I got all of my books done, you know, um, you know, converted electronically. You know, my program director worked with my professors a quarter ahead to make sure she had all the textbooks. She had time to get them sent off. And you know, convert it to electronic format so that I can I could use it. I thought that my experience was you know like everyone else's until um, I started meeting others at conferences and you know people that had drastically different experiences than I did. And and therein lies I'm like you know we've got to get better around that because the disparity amongst people with disabilities and gainful employment is extreme and it's only going to get worse um, with technologies, you know, moving as fast of a pace as they are. It's, it's up to higher, ed, uh, you know, higher ed institutions. They've got to get it together um, because it, it, it still amazes me the number of young people that I hear that have been told what they cannot do and we have to stop that or their counselor are not being supportive. Like we have to stop that. Or the stories about, hey, a, a kid can't get their accommodations, you know, on campus. I'm like, we've got to stop that, right? And so that's, that for me is, is an area where I don't think as, as much progress has been made as it should be. Um, you know, people with disabilities cannot sustain and have a great quality of life, right? Um, if they cannot be educated, if we can't enjoy education like everyone else, that to me, that's a right. That's a fundamental right. If a kid with a disability wants to go to college and wants to become a programmer, they need to be supported, right? Don't look at that kid and say, well, you know, uh, you know, a lot of these students fail. But look at, the, look at the reasons why they fail. The failure is not the kids. The failure, right, are on the council. The failures, right, are on the Department of Rehab Services on these campuses. That's where the failures are. The failures are with the professors, 
not the students. The students have no idea what coursework is coming down the pipeline or what types of labs are going to, they don't know, right? That's why you have counselors. You have people there that are supposed to guide them. And, and, that's, and I think that that is, is a, a fundamental challenge that we're going to have to grapple with as an accessibility industry. So yeah, number one, you know, we have to keep on top and stay vigilant about emerging technologies. But we also cannot forget, like, if we want to bridge um, the economic gap, if we want to, you know, increase the number of people with disabilities with gainful employment, we, we need to support um, them educationally. Well, I, I think that's uh, a great place for us to end this with those uh, thoughtful comments about the challenges that uh, you remain in front of us. And uh, I think those are the two areas you mentioned are definitely ones that uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to think about. And uh, you know, I'm sure uh, those of us in the uh, accessibility practice community will uh, take it on as a challenge as well. Uh, but uh, I, I want to thank you, Kasai, for uh, sharing your story and uh, telling us uh, about your journey and uh, hopefully you'll have great success in the in the next things that you're involved with. Thank you so very much for your time. It's been wonderful talking with you. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.